Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Social Room. Happy Friday. And it really never does end with some people, does it? With greed, these companies just extracting money out of their consumers and doing, a, you know, unsavory business tactics to just make an extra buck. And obviously, in the gaming industry, you've got people who rush games out the door to exploit their fan base and get money and then patch the games that they should have released fully uh, later on. But, uh, <laughs> so you've got EA that does that. You've got Blizzard and Activision who does that. But right now, uh, how the mighty have fallen, Rockstar Games recently has just been souring their reputation in the public eye just with every mistake they make. Um, first, Grand Theft Auto 3, San Andreas, and Vice City, the definitive editions of those games released on Steam. They released on the Nintendo Switch, and it was garbage literal garbage and in most cases the game was a complete downgrade from the previous versions that release on the playstation 2 and playstation 1 which is insane because like dude i don't know man and then <laughs> not to mention that they're just milking money out of their consumers through the grand theft online grand theft auto online uh especially more so now that they released the uh, gta plus subscription i believe that it's called where you can pay like $12 a month and get the content that they stole from you back. Uh, yeah, they took away like half of the available cars on Legendary Motorsports and uh, all the different places that you can buy on Grand Theft Auto, repackaged them into a monthly subscription that you can win the cars back through like a, like a Wheel of Fortune almost, which is nuts to me. Like not only are these people taking away cars that people drive in the game, but then they're making them pay for it again after paying $60. Yeah, like GTA 5 is still like $60 on most platforms, which is nuts. So they're just extracting money out of their fan base. And not only that, but they released Red Dead Redemption 1 with almost zero changes on the PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch and charged $40 for it. For a game that is well over 10 years old and made no changes to it. This isn't like a definitive edition. They just released the game again. So, yeah, they're trying to patch some holes and make some more money. Maybe to bolster the production of Grand Theft Auto 6 or Red Dead Redemption 3. Who knows? But they're caught in the news again for some scummy business practices regarding their old games. Uh, this time, they didn't even bother making a port. They just pirated the damn game off of a group called Razor 1911. So they released these games called Manhunt and Max Payne 2 onto Steam that are old games. They're repurposing them and re-releasing them on Steam for a new generation to play on newer hardware, which is fine. But <laughs> I don't know if they lost their uh, source code for the game or they don't have the copies on their databases anymore to re-release. But... They release crack copies of their game. And obviously, in most cases, whenever you pirate a game, there's protections in place called digital rights management to prevent you from actually playing the game like other people are who actually paid for the product. And of course, <laughs> of course, this kicks in for the copies that they're selling online on Steam because they're pirated games. So <laughs> people are online figuring out like, um, why can't, why can't I play the game because I've been soft-locked? As it turns out, they found a testapp.exe executable that utilized a Razer 1911 crack, 
and they found the tagline in them. And as it turns out, <laughs> oh my God. And this would have been fine, but uh, Steam DRM tripped this up and included a dot bind section uh, that was code, you know, not marked as code and flagged this uh, cracked copy on Steam and caused the game to crash, caused the game to soft lock. And, you know, that's actually just unbelievable that they would release something that they don't even have. That's not even their property, technically, that they like, this is a stolen copy of the game that has triggers that are set in place to prevent people from playing them. Obviously, both of these games have been pulled off of Steam since then because they've got to fix it and they've got to put on pro hopefully the legitimate copy of the game. But like this is just insane. And this is something that. We're going to encounter more and more as time goes on because uh, digital rights management has kind of changed since those days where Max Payne 2 was released because it's not just like a line of code to prevent people uh, to know when it's pirated because if it's not a disc inside of specifically the Xbox 360 or whatever, it's going to flag it. Now, DRM is used in ways that are sort of like online, always online services. And this is something that I've talked about before where... Um, games that don't need to be fully online uh, <laughs> are fully online to prevent people from playing the game pirated because obviously you can't play it online. Or they get around this by having cloud services and store the game on the cloud so there's no actual tangible property of the game like a disc or any sort of files being sent over. You use a service to stream the, the game to your computer and you don't actually have you don't technically own that copy of the game. And so this is something that we're going to encounter in the future where once these services start to get, you know, moonlighted and, and, and go away, or sun, sunsetted, I guess, is the better term. Um, once these games start to go away and the structure is not in place to support these games anymore that are fully online, we will no longer be able to play these games anymore. So let's say 10 years down the road... Um, 343 Industries decides to pull support and servers for Halo Infinite, a game that requires you to be fully online at all times. You're not going to be able to play Halo Infinite anymore. You're not even going to be able to play the campaign by itself because you're not online and they don't have servers to support that. Or if you just want to play the game or if you're on a bad internet connection right now, or say you don't even have internet at all, you're in a certain part of the country or in the world where you don't have a steady internet connection, maybe you still have dial-up, you cannot play these games. Even if you have the hardware that supports it, you are not allowed to play the games because you have to be online. And so DRM is changing, and it's weird because in the way that we're trying to protect revenues for companies and prevent people from pirating games, which is illegal and which is wrong, I'm not trying to say that piracy is good, but we're preventing people in the future or even right now from playing the game and having the game in their hands and experiencing something that other people are. And like, obviously I want to play a game 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road. And this is like a controversy for a lot of games that comes out, you know, uh, payday three, uh, at the moment is some, a game that I'm looking forward to, uh, a lot actually. And they are demanding an always online service. And if it turns out that they're going to sunset the game or maybe it doesn't perform as well as they'd hoped and they pull the plug on the game later on, like 
the DRM is going to trip up and you're not going to be able to play the game anymore because there's not any servers and it's not online anymore. And I don't know, man, it's, it's weird. And it kind of makes me wish for the days where like you, you really could just buy a game from Best Buy or GameStop and put in the disc and you're good to go. There's no day one patches. You don't have to install the game. It's, it's strange that gaming has stopped being so accessible for people. Uh, even though, like, gaming is so big now. It's that, like, these games are just, like, it's harder and harder to play old games. Just for these reasons. Because the companies don't hold the software on their servers, and then they release cracked editions of the game. Actually nuts. Okay, before I <laughs> before I blow a blood vessel in my brain, let's get to something that's a little bit um, a little bit more you know happy, a little bit more uh, insightful for the world today. And the Deep Mind uh, co-founder Mustafa Suleiman has some words to say about the impact of AI in our world today. So here's a quote. I know I've. This, this is not the quote yet, obviously, but I know I've mentioned before that um, I believe that AI is going to power creativity. It's going to be used as a tool in our toolbox for a lot of people to uh, kind of level up and take themselves to the next level because it grants access to things that they otherwise may not have. So like copywriting uh, for uh, image and video, it may provide art. Like for the example, like someone wants to write a comic book but they don't have access to an artist and they're not perhaps the most talented or skilled artist in the world, they can ask this AI prompt to, with the correct terms, obviously, create a comic book for them or a strip and they can write on it. And they're given the tools for just a monthly subscription to these generative AI services. And they're able to create things that they otherwise wouldn't have and they may not have the resources because they might not financially be able to or they might not be in the part of the world where uh, they have the access to such tools uh, as maybe someone in LA would with their connections. So uh, Mustafa Suleiman, quote, I think that what we haven't really come to is the impact of family, because no matter how rich or poor you are, which ethnic background you come from or what gender is, a kind, of, a kind and supportive family is a huge turbocharge, he says. And I think we're at a moment with the development of AI where we have ways to provide support, encouragement, affirmation, coaching, and advice. We've basically taken emotional intelligence and distilled it. I think that's going to unlock the creativity of millions and millions of people for whom that wasn't available. And I think this is, uh, end quote, I think this is uh, very interesting because obviously what I was mentioning is that like these people are using it as a tool, but... Uh, Mustafa Suleiman almost says that it's used as almost a, like a coaching service, like you have a mentor that it, and it makes sense. These services pull so much information from across the web, from so many different sources, and some of, and it's getting the most expert information it can find to then give you after you put in a prompt. And so, yeah, it is a good coaching service. I, I would have never thought about that. And perhaps it's a great way for people to learn because... I know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, I could just tell ChatGPT to, like, tell me to write my English paper. But instead, if, you know, some guardrails are implemented with the way that people use it for education 
or maybe people are being responsible with their academic integrity, they can ask the specific service to, you know, kind of tell them how they should do it as opposed to immediately spitting it out. And I think that's really interesting. And here's something else is, again, he compounds on that by saying that AI is capable of refining design and manufacturing processes with the improvements compounding after each new iteration. See, obviously you have to account for like manpower whenever you're in those design processes. Maybe you're in some sort of clinical trial and like these people have lives, they can sleep. Uh, they need to eat, they need to take breaks. Like you cannot treat them as a machine, but this is a machine that can think so much faster than a regular human can with algorithms and data sets and previous exposure to information online that maybe these researchers, scientists, R&D people have not had exposure to. And so it's, it's, like a it's like a technology that does everything is what he said, like electricity. It will permeate all aspect of our lives because of the benefit it brings. And obviously what enables those benefits may also enable harm. Um, you know, people misusing the AI service, like I mentioned earlier, academic dishonesty, and using these things to misrepresent what they've actually created because they've used ChatGPT instead. Um, perhaps telling the AI to create some sort of malicious program for someone that made is just new to being like kind of a script kitty and wants to kind of troll online and figure out how to do these things but doesn't really have the capacity or knowledge to do it by himself. He can ask the AI prompt to create a malicious code. There's so many different things that AI is applicable to. And obviously, as we look into the future, we'll see the good and the bad of it. And that's about it. It's pretty much, it's, it's been a slow week on the news and it's a short one. So I'm just going to leave it there. Um, I hope you all have, you know, a good day and a good weekend. And thanks for tuning in and I'll see you guys next Friday.